All right, good morning. How are y'all doing? It's good to see you. y'all warming up. Good. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And on a Sunday mornings uh, through January here at the beginning of the year, what we're doing is we're dialing in on some essential things. You know, we use the phrase, we want to keep the main thing the main thing, or the main thing's the main thing. And so we are focusing on what we consider to be some main things uh, that we need to keep as main things if we're going to stay on track as disciples, individual disciples, and as a church to make the impact that God's called us to make uh, in our homes, in our community, and even in the world. And uh, this week we're going to focus in on the importance of us being committed uh, to keeping the Word of God as a main thing in our life. All right, why is it important that we do that? Why is it significant that the Word of God be a main thing in our life, all right? Because when it's not a main thing in our life, when we don't center our lives around it, when we don't put ourselves consistently under the teaching of it, when we don't discipline ourselves to study it, all right, to not do those things, this is why it's important, to not do those things is to disconnect our life and our heart from the very voice of God. I want to share something with you. I want to be kind of transparent with you here at the beginning this morning. Uh, I've been following the Lord for over 20 years as a, a follower of Christ. I've been in pastoral ministry for, for 18 years. That's 25 years as a follower of Christ, 18 years in pastoral ministry. You know, a lot of the weeks over the last 18 years spent doing ministry work, you know, in the Word, preparing to teach, studying God's Word, doing ministry. And over the last 25 years, and over the last 18 years of doing ministry, I have to say this, I've never once heard the audible voice of God in my life. Let me explain what I'm talking about there. Never once have I heard the audible voice of God. Never once have I been personally taken up to some heavenly realm and been given and seen a vision where I've physically seen or heard God's voice in that way. And yet at the same time, many, many times, thousands and thousands of times over the last 25 years, over the last 18 years of ministry... Thousands and thousands of times, I've heard God powerfully speak to me. You say, well, how is that? How does God primarily speak to us today? Well, I want you to know this. I want to say this. I don't claim to have all the answers to that question, all right? I don't claim to have all... Anybody who does say that they have all the answers to that question and says that they got the formula and the system down and they figured out the way, the way God speaks in every way today, right? If anybody ever comes up and says that to you, here's what you need to do. You need to turn around real quick and you need to walk away really fast, right? Because no one owns the market on that. But here's what I do believe with conviction based on the authority of Scripture itself, that in the age of grace that we get to live in, this side of the cross... Right? Waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the age of grace that we're living in, the primary way that God communicates with us, the primary way that God reveals Himself to us is through His Word. God has given us His Word. It's just that. It's His Word. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's sufficient. It's complete. It's a love letter from Him to His children about all that life is about. And every day we have an opportunity to take this book, to open it up, not because we have to, not because we have to do it to be a good Christian, but because we get to. We get to read it. We get to study it. We get to hear from our Heavenly Father. 
And what I want us to remember here at the beginning of this new year, 2023, right here on this Sunday morning, is that when we give priority to the hearing of God daily through His Word, that that's a really wise way to live our life. And in fact, I want to study a passage with you this morning out of Proverbs, which is called the Book of Wisdom, to help us understand just that truth. That that is a wise way to live your life, to make the Word of God a main thing in your life. In fact, the first seven chapters of Proverbs deals with this. You, a lot, there's a lot of different passages in God's Word that teach us about God's Word. Proverbs is one of those, one of those books. And in fact, the first seven chapters, you're going to find a lot of teaching about how wise it is to make the Word of God a main thing in your life. But we're going to focus just on four verses of chapter 6 together this morning. All right, so Proverbs chapter 6, stand with your Bibles open. We do that as a way to honor the Word of God. And in verse 20, it says this, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. All right, let's stop there for a second. Remember that as we're reading this right here in this day and age, that the way that Scripture was passed down, right? They didn't have the written Word of God like we have right now, right? So the way that the Word of God, a lot of it was passed down, was orally, was verbally. All right, so when it says there, uh, the commandment of your father and the teaching of your mother, that's a reference to God's Word. All right, pick up in 21. Bind them, what? Bind the Word. Bind the Scriptures. Bind the commandments of God on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. And the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Would you have a seat as I pray? God, I pray that you would make your word a lamp into our feet and a light into our path this morning. God, we know and we believe that the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word stands forever. And so I pray that your eternal, perfect, inerrant, inspired, sufficient, living word would take its rightful place in our lives. And as we submit ourselves under it this morning, under the teaching of it together, that your Holy Spirit would use it to conform us more to the image of your Son. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the book of Proverbs uh, was written by King Solomon. All right, so it's a book that's laid out uh, like a, a letter that a father is writing to his son. It's filled with insight and direction and wisdom it's about a wide range of topics in life. And here in chapter 6, Solomon's actually, in the context of what's being said here, Solomon's actually giving warnings about adultery, right? But what he, if you look at what he's saying around the surrounding, surrounding the verses that we just read a moment ago, but what he's inserting right here with these four verses is what he does throughout the rest of this book, and he gives the key to living wisely in all of these different areas of life. And you say, well, what is that? It's giving priority to hearing from God daily through His Word. So what I want us to see in those four verses is I want us to see three important things about the Word of God that I pray will will encourage us to be people of the Word like never before moving into a new year as a church and as individual disciples. Number one is this. The first thing we see in these verses is the purpose of the Word of God. We see the purpose of the Word of God. Why did God give us the Word? We see that answered uh, in these verses. Now, I do want to say this. We can't answer that question exhaustively this morning. All right? that, it, would be a, it would be like a several-week 
a sermon series for us to try to answer that question exhaustively, the question of why did God give us the Word. But these verses do give us two really important, very practical reasons as to why God gave us His Word and gives us a general understanding of its purpose. All right, first one's this. We didn't have these on the screen this morning, but I'm going to give you two important, very practical reasons uh, why God gave us His Word to help us understand its purpose. The first one's this. God's Word shows us the way. God's Word shows us the way. We see that in verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light. Does that remind you of another passage? Does that remind you of another verse? Psalm 119, 105 says what? Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. All right? So two words there. All right? Lamp and light. All right? What is light? How do you, de- how do you define light? All right? Have you ever looked up that word in, a, in any dictionary? You look up that word in an English dictionary, and you're going to find 30 different definitions for that one word. I'm not talking about like the ways we use light in different ways, like light, like something not being heavy. I'm talking about light in the way you're thinking about it and the way it's used in this verse right here, like the lights that are shining in this room right now, the lights that are kind of peeking in through the windows right now. 30 different definitions for that you know, idea of light. I'm going to give you one of them from Webster's Dictionary, all right? One definition, all right? Here it is. Light is an electromagnetic radiation in the wavelength range, including infrared, visible, ultraviolet rays, and traveling in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,281 miles per second. All right. Now, when I ask the question, what is light? If that was the first definition that popped up in your mind, you need to get out of your house more often, okay? (laughs) You're spending a little too much time with your dictionary. All right. This is one of my favorite out of the 30 definitions for light. You ready? This is one of the definitions. It's just two words, right? Not dark. That's my kind of definition right there. I, like, I can remember that one. But here's one that lines up a little bit more with uh, what the way that the writer of Proverbs is using it right here. Light can be defined like this. That which makes vision possible. Light is that which makes vision possible. Did you know that God has designed us in such a way or our eyes in such a way that it's impossible for us to see without light? It's impossible for you to see without light. Have you ever been, maybe Florida Caverns, maybe somewhere in the country, have you ever been deep enough down in a cave where there there was no light unless you had some type of source of light, a flashlight with you, or light source of some kind? And maybe you were down deep in the belly of that cave, and what happens if you're divvered down and you're on like a tour, the tour guide will tell everybody, hey, for a moment, everybody turn out your flashlights. And it's almost eerie because... There's no light anywhere. It's, it's, there's no light to be found that deep in that cave. And you can stand there with your hand in front of your face and your eyes will not adjust and see your hand. It would just take a flicker of light for your eyes to just be able to adjust to see a little something. But without light, they won't adjust. Why? Without light, vision is impossible. All right? And it's the same thing when it comes to our spiritual life, right? It's the same thing for us spiritually. We can't know God. We can't hear the voice of God. We can't see God apart from the light of His Word, all right? Without the light of His Word, we're stuck in the pitch black darkness of our sin that we're born into. But praise God, God didn't leave us stuck, all right? That's why He wrote a book, all right? That's why He's revealed Himself to us through His Word. That's why He's given us special, what's called special revelation, all right? So He's revealed himself to us someone what's called general revelation like we should be able to go out and look at creation and see the sun and see the way things work and the fine-tuning of the universe and draw the conclusion that there's a creator and romans 1 said we're responsible for you know for basically you know what we do with our life in light of that truth that there is a creator 
And we are responsible for, you know, responding to that. But through general revelation, you're not going to receive and understand uh, how to find your way down a path that can make you right with that creator. Does that make sense? So we need special revelation. And that's what the light of God's word provides us. It shows us the gospel. It lights the way to show us how we can be reconciled back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So praise God. We have special revelation. God's revealed himself through the light of his word, and he shows us Jesus, right? And so we can know how to be saved out of our darkness, out of the darkness of our sin. But once we receive Christ, once we become Christians, the word of God continues to be a light source in our life. Right? It continues to help us discover the will of God and the ways of God as we're walking through the darkness in this world. One of the top things that I'm probably asked, and I was even asked as a youth pastor questions like this, but one of the top questions I'm asked now is a question that people will often ask when they're facing some kind of difficult decision, some opportunity uh, that they have in front of them, uh, dealing with some kind of circumstance that they're in. They want to know this. What is God's will for my life in this situation? What does God have to say to me about the situation that I'm in? And if you've ever come to me, and you know this if you've ever come to me, you're gonna, I'm going to ask you a question back, all right? I'm going to ask you a question back. I'm going to say, okay, you feel like you're in the dark. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the dark. You want to know what God's word, what, what God is saying right here? Yeah, well, here's the question I'm going to ask. Tell me a little bit about the time that you're spending daily in God's word. What does that look like for you? And here's my point in asking that. Here's what I'm really asking. Okay, you feel like you're in the dark. You're a believer. Have you turned on the light? Listen, some of us need to turn on the light. Like it's, the, the answers to the questions that you're asking are here in His Word. In my 20 years of walking with Jesus, plus years of walking with Jesus, and all this time that I have been spending in ministry, the primary way that God speaks into my life, the primary way that God reveals His heart to me, the primary way that God lights my path and shows me what to do and where to go is not through big signs in the sky. It isn't through thunder in the air. Isn't through lightning bolts coming out of heaven. It hasn't even been through audible voices that I've heard. It's come through regular time spent alone with God in His Word. Some of us need to turn on the light. And as we begin to make it a priority to be alone with God in His Word, it turns on the light in our life. All right? Second thing is this. So God's Word shows us the way. Second is this. Purpose of God's Word. God's Word corrects us when we're going the wrong way. So it shows us the way, and God's Word also serves this purpose. It corrects us when we're going the wrong way. Look at the phrase in verse 23, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Now, we don't like those kind of words, because we hear those words, and they, those are like punitive words. We hear, we hear reproof, and we hear discipline, and we think about punishment, don't we? But both of those words in the Hebrew language actually speak to correction. They speak to instruction. Like when you hear those words, don't think punishment. Think about, like a good illustration is coaching. All right, so my boys play baseball. Some of you had an opportunity to coach t-ball, coach your boys in little league, all right? And so if, you, if you've done that, you realize like when you're teaching younger guys and, you know, they're all coming out, some of them in the mix of that group are kids that have never played baseball before, all right? Some of them, their mom and dad are just trying to get them out of the house to get them involved in something. And here they've done, they've shown up at the baseball field. They've never even seen a baseball field before. And so at some point, you're, you're going you're gonna to try to teach them to, to hit the ball. That's a part of baseball. And so you're going to give them a bat as a coach, and you're going to go, okay, run to home plate. 
And inevitably, there's going to be inevitably there's going to be a kid, and he's going to grab the bat, maybe flip it up upside down, and grab it the wrong way. And he's going to run up to the plate. Maybe he's going to like stand on home plate with his helmet sideways and hold the bat above his head like he's going to slice the ball right out of the air. And what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to reprove. You're going to have to discipline. You're going to have to instruct. You're going to have to correct. Why? Not because you're trying to be a killjoy in his life. Not because you're trying to, to rob the joy of, of him standing there and dodging fastballs, right? No, because you want to protect him. You want to help him understand how to do it right. Why? So he can enjoy the game of baseball the way it's meant to be played. And the Bible tells us that God given us his word to correct us, to reprove us, to instruct us, to discipline us. Much like a coach leading that little guy to the batter's box, God uses his word to continuously bring us back to where we belong. Not because he wants to be a cosmic killjoy in our life. And some of us need to hear that this morning. And I'm especially thinking about younger generations who hear the voice of the enemy who would tell you something different than that. Who would tell you, hey, God's commands, God's instructions, they are going to keep you from enjoying life. That's a lame path to follow. You're going to be missing out on a lot of life and a lot of pleasure when the truth of the matter, what you need to listen to is the Holy Spirit's voice that helps us understand that His commands are here to help us live within the design of God to where we can experience actual, true, like living deep, Joy and satisfaction in this life. So His Word shows us the way. The Word corrects us when we're going the wrong way. That's the purpose of it. That's the purpose of it. We've established that. All right? So now that we've established that, because you're looking at me like, okay, I've heard that before. Okay, there was some new illustrations in there that kind of made me think about it a little bit of a different way. But yeah, okay. God's Word shows us the way. It shows us when we're going the wrong way. All right? That's the purpose of it. Yeah. Now that we've established the purpose of it, let me ask you a more important question. What's your posture towards it? That we've been stating facts about the purpose of it. Hey, it's good for us to mentally agree with that. But what is, what's more important is what is your heart attitude towards the Word of God? What's your posture towards it? That's the second thing we're looking at, our posture towards the Word of God. Verse 21 gives us an idea of what that should look like in our life. It says, bind them. Bind what? Bind the Word on your heart when? Always. Tie them around your neck. All right? The word, that phrase, that word for bind them in Hebrew means to attach to oneself. It's the Word of God making a home in your heart. John Gill, great commentator, said this, they said, the word is to have an abiding place in your life, in, in the understanding of your life, in the affections of your life, in the memory of your life, in the will of your life. Another way to say what the writer of Proverbs is saying here about the kind of posture that we need to have towards the word of God is this, we ought to treasure it. When should we treasure it? How often should we treasure it? Always. Continually. I don't want you to answer this out loud, all right? But can you honestly say when your life is looked at that you are a person who treasures the Word of God? That's descriptive of your posture towards it. If someone else was to spend some time watching your life, would they say, man, that's somebody who binds the Word of God to their heart and to their life in such a way that, man, he treasures it. Man, she treasures the Word. In Proverbs 
Two, we see why that kind of posture is so important. All right, so you can actually flip there just a few pages to the left if you have a hard copy of the Bible in your lap right now. Proverbs chapter 2. If you don't, I'll read it. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen to what it says. It says, my son, if. That's a very important word for you to circle. It's about to get conditional. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Let's just stop there right now. Do you hear all those action words describing how our posture towards God's word should be? How our pursuit of God's word should look? What it should look like? How we should treasure God's word? He said, if I'm receiving it, if I'm treasuring it, if I'm making my ear attentive to it, inclining my heart towards it, calling out for raising my voice for it, if I'm seeking after the word, if, if that's descriptive of my life, then look at what it says in verse 5, then. So the if there and the then, are so, you're supposed to see those connected. If that's the way I'm treasuring the word of God in my life, if that's descriptive of my posture, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. You know what the problem with a lot of American Christians is? We want the then without the if. We want to know God, man. We want to know His power. We want to experience victory in our life. We want to know the answer to the different questions that we have about our life. We want direction about decisions that we're making in life. We want to grow spiritually. We want the then, but we're not too crazy too often about the if. Listen today, you can't get the then without the if. Let me say it another way. You can't grow as a disciple. You can't grow in your knowledge of God. You can't be conformed to the image of Christ. You can't experience victory that's available to you in your relationship with God without the discipline of Bible study happening in your life. It requires effort. The Christian life requires effort. Ooh, wait, what does he mean by that? Let me explain. I want this to be very clear this morning. We're a gospel-centered, gospel-preaching church. So I want you to understand a little bit about what we call gospel-fueled effort. So I want something to be very clear. If you're a believer this morning, you're already accepted by God. You don't have to work harder for God's love. You don't have to work harder for God's acceptance. If you've received Jesus Christ by faith, then you're as much of a Christian as you'll ever be. You have as much of the Holy Spirit as you can ever have. All right, you have as much inheritance in heaven as you can ever get. And all of that, guess what? It's stuff we didn't deserve. It's stuff we can't earn. It's all been given to us as a gift of grace. Right? Not earned, gifted to us by grace in Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? Amen? Amen. However, as a Christian, you do have responsibility to give effort when it comes to you growing in your new relationship as a son or as a daughter with your heavenly father. Sanctification is not a passive process. You enter into the family of faith, the family of God by grace through faith, but once you enter into that forever family you're a part of, you got some responsibility to put some elbow grease in when it comes to you growing in your relationship with your heavenly father. And the primary tool that God uses 
in our life while we're running our race on this earth as Christians is the Word of God. And it's our responsibility to pick up His Word and to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. I'm taking that right out of 1 Timothy 4.7. It's our responsibility to present ourselves to God as approved workers who have no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's what Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, but it's a truth that transfers over into the life of any believer in 2 Timothy 2.15. To grow more and more like Christ, you've got to learn to study the Bible. But maybe you're thinking, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, see, I understand that. But I've tried. I've tried, and it's really hard to understand what is in this Bible. It's hard to, for me to, to kind of understand and decipher because it can kind of get dif- confusing sometimes. All right? And, and sometimes we, it kind of repels us because it, it can be difficult to understand. But I think often in this generation, while a lot of us have difficulty s- sitting down and studying God's Word, because God's Word's written to us in words. We don't like to read. We're not like a big, like, book-loving generation. Right? Some of you are like, yeah, I don't, I don't do books. Can God maybe send me His truth through a TikTok video? Or through a real video on Instagram? Through a short little video on Facebook? No, He's not going to do that. He's given us a book. And you have to sit down and you have to read it and you have to study it and you have to dig into it and you have to seek to understand the background of it. You have to, when you get to a word you don't understand, you've got to dig, get a dictionary out and you've got to look it up to kind of increase your vocabulary so you can study it better and you can grow in your knowledge. You say, well, I, I still, it's still hard. I've tried. I've tried what you're saying and I just can't, I can't seem to do it. I can't seem to get any consistency. I can't seem to get any attraction. I can't seem to understand what this Bible says. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Who in here grew up in a church where they used the King James Version Bible, right? A lot of us in here, right? If you haven't, maybe you're familiar with, with it, you know, at some level, all right? And that's a great translation, you know? Um, a lot of you in here maybe still use that. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a church where, where that was, I learned so much of the Bible, you know, with my dad preaching from that English translation, but it can be difficult to understand, especially your first pass through, right? It's a, kind of an antiquated way to speak, you know, English. So it can be difficult to understand. But what if today, let's just use our imagination, what if today you were out on the town, and you're just going to have to have fun with me with your imagination, and a really, really rich person shows up into Jacksonville, a billionaire, let's like Elon Musk or the Jeff guy who owns Amazon, whatever his name is. And he's walking through town, and he, and he comes across you. It's your lucky day. And he says, listen, I'm on a tour to some bigger cities in the United States, and today I'm in Jacksonville, and I'm delivering basically three golden tickets in every city. And what I'm giving you is I'm going to 100 Bitcoin. It's your lucky day. And here on this piece of paper, I've written down instructions as to how you can unlock those and retrieve those and how they can be yours. Right? They can be in your name. They'll be yours for the rest of your life as long as you want them. Right? And he gives you the piece of paper, and you look down, and the instructions that he gave you, are, it's written down in King James English. You know what you're about to turn into? You're about to turn into a linguist. You're about to turn the Internet inside out 
You're about to order whatever tools you need, whatever resources, whatever books you need. You're about to go set up some appointments with, with some pastors, some people who can understand that language. And you're going to seek to understand what it says because you want to know and understand these words because these words are really important. Listen, this is the Word of God. This contains the words of life. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. There's power in this to unlock the secrets about God and love and truth and how you can have a personal connection with God and with other people. And it may not be written in a way that's super accessible like your first pass through, your first reading through it, but if you really care about what's in this book, if you really care about the one who wrote this book, if you really care about the one who this book connects you with and whose heart it helps you to understand more fully, you're going to figure it out. You're going to get a commentary. You're going to get some Bible study tools. You're going to get a Bible, a study Bible. You're going you're to go out there and try to figure out how to get into a Bible connect group. Where you, we got great Bible connect group teachers here who would love to sit down with somebody who's hungry to learn and understand and can help you understand what it looks like to study God's Word. You're going to find yourself in your personal devotional life studying this and pursuing the knowledge of God with a renewed passion. That's going to be your posture. Right? And as you do that, and some of you are, some of you are with me this morning. Maybe you, this is connecting with you. you need, at the beginning of this year... You need to begin to make this a main thing in your life. But you can also feel, I want you to know that I'm just not trying to make you feel bad this morning. Hear me on that. Because in moments like this, when you feel like your life's kind of not matching up to where it needs to be, and you haven't been the student of God's Word like you've been, and you've been really disciplined in all kinds of other areas of your life, and your business, and your fitness, and your health, but you haven't been disciplined in the area that really, really matters, and that's your spiritual growth, you can feel this feeling of feeling guilt as a Christian. But I want you to understand in those moments, and this is a great lesson to learn any time that you are aware and God's word shines light on an area of your life where you're falling short and you're being sinful, that in that moment, two voices are going to show up in that moment. The first is a voice of condemnation. And that's a voice of the enemy. That's going to say, look at what you did. You're rebellious. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're a failure. That's who you are. Look at what you did. That's who you are. Another voice, though, is going to show up in that moment, and that's a voice of conviction. And that's the Holy Spirit's voice saying, hey, yeah, look what you did. You're not living right. You sit there for a second, but look at what I did. Look at what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's not who you are anymore. So let's get up, and let's move on. And I'm going to be right here with you, and let's grow in this. And some of you are right there with me. You're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get up. I'm ready to kind of repent of me being lazy when it comes to my... You know, being a student of God's or not being a good, a good student of God's word and I'm ready to grow and if that's you and maybe you're new to this I want to give you a couple big truths that hope, or a couple big uh, tips and pointers that maybe can help you as you're beginning that pursuit this year right? the first one's this you're getting serious about studying God's word remember this as you study it remember that the Bible is not primarily about you too many people approach the Bible they kind of just open it up sometimes kind of the flop and point method you know, and they immediately try to insert themselves into the story, try to find themselves in the verse. Initially, when you read the Bible, the first question that you should ask is not what in this verse, like right now, applies to me. The first question is, what can I learn in this passage about God? What is this story teaching me about God? 
God is at center stage on every page of the Word of God. So in my study, I want to come into that time. And as you begin that, remember that. You want to come into that time, and I, I want to set me aside, and I want to orient my heart and my mind around God, around His Word, and around Him in this passage. And then from there, I work forward, and that helps me to understand in that passage how I apply it to my life in the right way. So that makes sense. So you remember, when you come to the Word of God, it's the Word of God's not the Word... It's not the Word of me. It's the Word of God. So I want to... Ask those good questions like, what is this telling me about God? I want to seek to understand the context and the background and what did this mean to the original audience. Those kind of questions will help you not insert your text in a, in, into the text in a place where you don't belong and misapply it to your life. All right? So the Bible is not primarily about you. And the second truth is this, and I'm kind of reiterating this. I'm going to wear this point out this morning, is remember that Bible study takes work. To be a student of the word, it takes work. Listen, to what, what did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15? We just read it. Do your best to present yourself uh, to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Paul told Timothy to be like a workman. It's the idea of like a blue-collar worker. So here's what Paul's saying. If you really want to study the word of God, show yourself approved. There's no need to be ashamed. I mean... You got, you got to be more like a blue-collar worker in the way you approach it. You got to put on like your Bible study hard hat. You got to get up your Bible study tool. You got to put on your Bible study work gloves, and you got to dig, and you got to get to work. I recommend what that looks, you know, part of what that looks like is putting a plan together, laying out a plan, knowing where you're going. There's some great Bible reading plans out there. Some of you already started it, but be careful because some of you already started your Bible reading plan this year for 2023 and you got to like January 7th and you said, well, I guess I'll start again in 2024. You dropped the ball. You kind of got out of the saddle. Okay, well, I tried. Some of you are doing better. You know, you've continued. You're going through, maybe you're like three quarters of the way through Genesis by this point of the month and you're trying to read through the Bible in a year. But guess what? Numbers is coming. Israel literally died out in the desert, recorded in numbers. And some of y'all, hey, it's going to be easy for you to die out in the desert of numbers here in a couple months. Hey, those moments are going to happen. You say, well, what do I do when those moments happen? Well, what do you do if you're really passionate about getting fit and yet you're passionate about meeting some goals and, and you've you, you got some fitness goals? Well, what do you do when you fall off the wagon? In January, what do you do? Well, I guess I'll just come back to the gym next January. What do you do if you got diet goals, right? And you, a few days into the new year, you, you kind of, you know, you fall off the wagon a little bit. What do you do? Well, uh, oh well, I'm just going to eat cinnamon rolls and donuts and pizza for the rest of the year. I'll start again in 2024. No, you, you, you don't give up. You stay with it. You get back in the saddle. All right? You say, well, what if I, what if I can't do the whole Bible? Well, make it your goal to read through the Gospels this year. Make it your goal to read through a Gospel in six months, half of the year. Set a goal. Get to work. Be a workman. Put on the hard hat. Go to work. Get busy. Show some discipline. And if you're new to studying God's Word, because maybe this is going to be a new pursuit for some of you to, be, to really get serious about studying God's Word, I want you to know that there are some days where you're going to feel lost, and that's okay. It's okay. Anybody remember... How in the world we got around town in our cars and traveling outside the city 
before GPS? Does anybody remember how we did that? Right? There's this little guy right here, right? A map. Kids, this is a map. All right? This is like a paper big version of what you find on a little screen on your phone, all right? You just didn't have the little blue dot flying around on it. But we used, but we used a map, right? And so my kids asked me recently, they said, what did you, what did you do before you had, they see the phone there, what did you do before you had the, because I, I, I was kind of one of the last parts, you know, generation that remember what that was like. You know, in high school we didn't have GPS, you know, we had like the block phones that were expensive, you know, some of the kids had those, I didn't have one for a while. And so they asked me, how did you get around town when you were in high school, right? And I said, well, you know, you had a few options. You you had to, like, make a call from a phone that was, like, attached to a wall in your house. And you had to, like, call the place you were going and get directions. Or you had to ask your parents how to get there. You had to write things down. And then kind of off you went, right? And you had to pull over, maybe ask some people for some help along the way. And then, you know, you maybe had to use a map. You had to go back and, and you know, look in the index, find streets, and try to find you figured it out. Like, I remember, I remember, like, when MapQuest came out. That was, like, revolutionary. Remember that? It's like, oh my goodness, you can print off turn by turn direction, staple it, you know, and you're in your car with it, right? That was like, this is, welcome to the future, right? Jetsons, this is crazy. But back in the day, you used uh, a, a map, and you had, you know, some different ways you got around town. But in, in high school, I, uh, I delivered, uh, my job for a couple of years is I delivered used furniture and appliances at, for a guy who owned a warehouse over off of Edgewood Avenue, where Old Kings is at, by the Vidoc kind of in that area in a little warehouse right there by Ace Hardware. And so I would go there every day after school. He'd have orders, and so I'd be zipping around to pick up appliances or to drop off used furniture appliances to people's homes, right? And so when I first began that job, you know what I spent the first several weeks and couple months of that job doing around that part of the west side of Jacksonville? Being lost. (laughs) Being lost. I would try to get some directions from my boss. He'd send me off, and then I would, you know, have to sometimes pull over and ask the gas station, you know, person at the gas station, where do I need to go? Go down to Commonwealth, and then you're going to take a right, and you're going to go down, you're going to see a park on your right. Don't stop there. Keep going down. And, and then I'd get a little lost somewhere. to roll, roll my kids. That's, that used to be the way some of us rolled our windows down. I'd have to roll my window down and ask somebody on a sidewalk, and they'd help me get to the next place. I was getting lost all the time, right? I wasn't raised in that area. But an amazing thing happened. Listen to this. I got lost for a while until I started to figure it out. You get lost a few times and you start to figure it out, right? And you remember, okay, don't go down that road. That's a dead-end road, all right? Don't, okay, I want something to eat. Don't go down that road. You try that before. There's nothing to eat down that way. And you begin to figure it out, right? And the reason why you're able to figure it out is because you got lost a bunch of times. And when it comes to the Bible, it will help you learn if you'll just go for it and get lost some. Take some wrong turns. Right? Go down a few dead-end roads. Get stuck a couple times and let somebody help you out of that ditch. If you'll do that for a few months, if you'll do that for years, if you'll do that for a lifetime, you'll learn your way around the Bible. Anyone in here can do that. And what you're going to find, you're going to learn your way around the Bible and the Bible's going to begin to deliver power in your life and the Word of God will start to impact you and you'll literally begin to see your life being conformed more to the image of Christ. You'll see sanctification happening because you're actually learning the Word of God. So it takes hard work and we never give up. 
We never give it up. Give up. Some of you are a little bit further down the road. You've been studying the Word of God for a while. That's the same message for you today. Don't give up. Some of you are in a season right now, and you've been reading your Bible, but it feels dry. You don't feel like a whole lot's happening there, and that can be discouraging. And I'd say the same. Don't give up. I love what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 10. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, the rain and snow come from heaven and water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that. It goes out from my mouth. You hear what he's doing right there? He's comparing the word to what? Rain and snow. Right? Rain and snow... They do the same thing, but they do it differently. When rain falls on the ground, they both water the earth, but they do it differently. When rain falls on the earth, the earth soaks it right up. It's immediate. When it snows, it's like a snowbank that's built, right? And depending on where you live in the winter, I mean, it can sit there for days. It can sit there for weeks. Sometimes it can sit there for months before it melts, but ends up doing the same thing the rain does, which is water the earth. Here's the point. Some days you're going to open God's word and it's going to rain. And you're going to, it's almost going to be tangible. You're going to powerfully, powerfully feel and hear the word of God. In your heart and in your life, you're going to hear God speaking to you. Other days, here's what you're doing. When you build that discipline to read God's Word into your life, you're building up a snowbank of Scripture in your life, a snowbank of God's Word in your life, that in that very moment down the road that you don't even know about, that you're going to need it, the Holy Spirit's going to melt that snowbank and He's going to speak into your life the truth that you need. Psalm 119.11, right, talks about that storing up His Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. So you're not reading God's Word in a disciplined way daily as you're spending time alone with God. You're not spending that time in vain. It's not a waste of your time. I asked Rebecca this yesterday because I know that the ladies did a study, Jen Wilkins' study recently on studying God's Word. And I, and I overheard her talking about this a couple months ago. And so I had her tell it to me again. And I really like the way the Bible teacher, Jen Wilkins, um, says this. That too often we approach God's Word almost like a debit card. Instead of approaching it more like an investment account. Like our time in it shouldn't be seen as like this debit card. I'm coming, give me, give me something that I need right now. We can often do that. And we need to look at it more as this. In, you want to impact your life for the long run? You want to impact your family multi-generationally? See God's word as something more like an investment account. So maybe that illustration helps. Maybe the snowbank illustration helps. My point is this. Don't give up. Keep binding his word on your heart. That's the posture. And verse 22 tells us the promise. The purpose the posture. And what's the promise? When we take the posture we've been talking about over these last several minutes, when you walk, they, the commandments of God, will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. I love that. Do you hear how personal and practical that promise is? As we bind God's Word on our hearts, His Word will lead us. His word will protect us. Hey, you want God to protect your family this year? You want God to protect your heart this year? You want God to protect your marriage this year? You want God to protect your home this year? You want God to protect your business this year? 
Here's the first step in inviting and welcoming the protection of God in your life. Give priority to the Word of God in your life daily in 2023. It says God's Word will talk to you. God's Word will talk to you. You will find a sweet source of counsel, the ministering presence of the Holy Spirit in your life through a disciplined study of God's Word. As you run to it, not because you have to, not because you're checking something off of a list, but because you get to. Because we get to know the heart of God through it. You know, some main things in our life, physically, just as human beings, maybe the top two, I don't know, definitely in the top five, I would say are oxygen and food. Hard to function. Hard to do what you're designed to do as a human being without oxygen and food. Last week we talked about prayer. This week we talk about the Bible. It's been said that the Bible and prayer, and we reverse that, that prayer and the Bible are the oxygen and the food for the Christian life. Prayer is your oxygen. The Bible is your food. Don't walk through 2023 trying to live your life as a Christian without a daily intake of that oxygen and that food. Let's pray. This morning, I want to talk to two groups. So if you're not a believer this morning, the Word of God, the light of His Word, the kind of light that needs to light your path this morning is the gospel that's revealed to us through the special revelation of God's word through these scriptures, through the gospels. That you're a sinner separated from God. The Bible helps us to see that the penalty for our sins is eternal punishment in a place the Bible calls hell. But God came to rescue us. And God sent his only son to live a sinless life to die on the cross 2,000 years ago, taking the punishment that we deserve. And then he was laid in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later, proving that the work that he set out to accomplish on the cross, he he did just that. And he offers salvation. He offers rescue out of the darkness of your sin for those who trust in him as their personal Lord and Savior. And you can do that this morning right where you're at. Is he illuminating your heart to those truths? Repent of your sin and trust the gospel. I'll be down front this morning if you need somebody to pray with you about that. If you are a believer, don't walk through the rest of this year spiritually without oxygen and food. I pray all of us today would make a renewed commitment to be people of the word. A church if people looked at us would say man that is a church not of like perfect people man not people who got all their stuff together but hey that's a group of people who treasure the word of God so here at the beginning of this year individually let's make that commitment God I see the purpose of it I want my posture to be like the posture that's laid out here in Proverbs chapter 6 and I'm trusting that you're going to keep your promises I do just that